Welcome into another edition of NBA Sound System. Gil McGregor here, back with Scott Rafferty. Scott, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. It's the holiday season, Gil. We're uh, Christmas is around the corner. As always, lots of basketball to talk about. So I'm I'm doing well, but you know, not as good as uh, as good as like a team like the Knicks, who are just on absolute fire right now. Who would have thought it? So you, how you know, you I was go- I, I, I'm good. I'm good. You do mention the holiday season, and obviously, if you have not gotten all your shopping done, that's one thing that I'm worried about. I got some stuff to get done uh, before the end of the week, but I also know at the end of the week uh, we have that five game Christmas Day slate awaiting us and i will be locked into all of those games i was going to ask you a different question to start but you know what you mentioned the nick the knicks and I, I guess i'll just ask you real quick are we hypocrites because last week we were just we could not help but talk about the pelicans on a seven game win streak and as we record this on monday going into the week the knicks have won seven games a row in a row in the mecca of basketball and i don't really think we we, we seem to care that much. Is that with good reason? Is it because two of those wins came against the Bulls? Like, like what, what's the deal with that? I mean, now that we're talking about them, they're probably going to lose like five in a row um, and have the same record as some of these worst teams in the league. No, I, I mean, <laughs> it, it does feel, it is surprising that like, you know, one of arguably the biggest market in the NBA is, is playing the best basketball of the season is suddenly in this hunt in the Eastern conference. And it feels like nobody is talking about them, but uh I mean, I think we'll get into them a little bit today when we talk about these Christmas Day matchups, but uh, they, they've been pretty impressive defensively during this stretch. That's all I'll say. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if they can maintain it, but there's some good signs there. Absolutely. The Knicks are definitely in my Christmas Day notes. I didn't use Quizlet for these notes, by the way. I uh, <laughs> and, and I say that to say, um, I think this past weekend was one of the more bizarre weekends yep. with stories that came out none of them were really like bad in nature they were just kind of bizarre i know you wrote the explanation over on the sporting news and nba global about joe Missoula and the quizlet controversy i'm pretty sure you could probably explain it better than i could i guess we won't have to go that far into the boston celtics head coach quizlet habits i used quizlet in college so i can't fault him if this is true but did you buy this like how weird was that story very weird story. Uh, I mean, some of the background, someone on Twitter um, tweeted that they were trying to memorize all the Phoenix Suns players so they could talk shop with their boyfriend. And they uh, stumbled account that sure looked like it was run by uh, Celtics interim head coach Joe Mazzulla. There were a few giveaways. I mean, his first and foremost, the account name was uh, Joseph underscore Mazzulla, which, which is one thing. Um, his avatar was Joe Mazzulla and his family. And the last thing is that it had some pretty detailed scouting reports on there, which is, uh, you know, I, he was even asked about it. Um, and it was, it was a pretty funny response. He didn't really say yes or no, it was his. He just said Quizlet is a great resource for retaining information, which, you know. There you go. Read into that as you will. But um, no, I, I would recommend you checking out the story. Someone on Reddit actually took all of the uh, scouting reports that were on there since that the account has now been removed, which is a little bit suspect. Right. But, uh, there's, there's some funny stuff on there. I mean, it's very interesting to read, you know, what could be Joe Mazzulla's scouting reports on some of these players. Like, it's fascinating to read it. But there's some funny ones in there, too. Like, Reddit got a kick out of the Kyle Kuzma one, which uh, one of the notes is, he is not passing, which is uh, which is pretty accurate. So no, there, there, there's some fun stuff there. Yeah, we saw that Kyle Kuzma did not look to pass as the Wizards lost to the Lakers at the end of the game. And I actually thought about that scouting report as I watched the end of the game. It's funny you mentioned like the photo that was on it. I feel like if it wasn't a photo of him with his family, like it could have been somebody who was just like 
under the guise of being obsessed with West Virginia basketball and Joe Missoula as a college player, if it was like a random picture of him playing against Kentucky in college or something like that, but it, it very much seemed like it was him. And I know you mentioned like him de- deleting the account, his wife, I believe like tweeted and then deleted that. Like, why would my husband have a fake, uh, why would he have a Quizlet account? So all those things kind of uh, led me to believe that it was a pretty legitimate uh, account of his as well. Not alone, also the the terminology that he used, even like people who were very much like used to be uh, in video coordinating rooms, coaches, whatever. Like this is some pretty advanced uh, terminology used here. So it probably is somebody that's pretty high level with that stuff. So not exactly what I expected to see over the weekend. Um, Some other weird things that happened in the league. The Miami Heat chose Petty. They were fined $25,000 for not reporting injuries properly. And then they decided to report every single player on the list. All 16 players whether they were probable, out, questionable, on G League assignment, had a sprained ankle, they were all on the <laughs> injured list, which I think was a funny way to, to go back to the league. Do you think that was Pat Riley's doing, Eric Spolster's doing, or like somebody like Jimmy Butler was like, you know what would be funny? We should, <laughs> we should do this. I have no idea, but the funny thing is it could be any one of them, right? It could be any. You'd believe it. That's the great thing about it. So uh, I, I did get a kick out of that one. I thought that was pretty funny. So, uh, you know, hats off to the Heat for that. That was a good one. And then to round it around, Ja Morant got uh, ejected. We actually had an explainer. And Steph Noe's been doing a really cool thing with these one-minute explainers over on Twitter. If you haven't followed Steph Noe by now, please do follow him on Twitter. He has these one-minute explanations of these things are going on. Ja Morant got suspended, apparently, for talking to a fan. A ref overheard it. And then Ja goes to the locker room. It was a courtside fan, by the way. FaceTimes his dad who then gives the phone back to the courtside fan. Now you got John Morant FaceTiming a fan in a game that he was just playing in, which is pretty cool. And then now we'll see. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was pretty cool for the fan. I'm sure the league wasn't that thrilled about it. Um, but cool for that fan. Uh, and I guess it's part of the courtside experience, right? But we do get to see this Grizzlies team and John Morant on Christmas Day. Um, so speaking of Christmas Day, which is the perfect way to wrap this busy holiday week. It's on a weekend this year. So I feel like anytime a holiday is on a weekend, it makes the week itself feel weird, I guess you could say. Um, But we do have five games to look forward to. Opens up at Madison Square Garden. Have the Sixers taking on the Knicks. Then we head to Dallas. Lakers, Mavs, I think it's going to be weird to see LeBron playing on the road on Christmas. I feel like it's been a while since we've seen that because the Clippers games, when it was dressed up as a Clippers home game, don't count that. Then you have Bucks, Celtics from TD Garden rounding off the night. Another playoff rematch. Grizzlies are in the bay to take on the Warriors. And then the nightcap, Suns, Nuggets rematch of the 2021 playoff series so i feel like the best way to naturally do this is to compare things right comparison is a thief of joy no it's not not in the holiday season we got to rank these christmas day games and i'm really interested to see if at all our christmas day rankings one through five are different so scott i'll let you take the floor first how have you ranked the five games we've been gifted with this year look there's only one number one here it's buck celtics it's a rematch of last year's matchup in the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, you know, two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference right now. I think if either one made it to the finals this year, no one would be surprised. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's fair to say the leading candidates for MVP as well. Uh, last, it is, It's still pretty early to be discussing awards, 
But we did our kind of MVP poll to this point of the season a week or two ago. I feel like it was, if it wasn't unanimous, we, most of us had Jason Tatum number one and he Mm -hmm. finished in the number one spot. And best player on the best team in the league is always a strong case, but he's just been, he's been incredible on both ends of the floor. So he's certainly um, the front runner, if not one of the front runners for MVP. And you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, which I don't think we really need to talk about him. He's the best player in the league. He's averaging yep. 30 and 10 on a nightly basis. Yep. He might be the best defender in the league. I know Brooke Lopez is getting a ton of love for Defensive Player of the Year right now. Um, from Giannis everybody just, or just from you? Hey, everybody, Gil. It's not just <laughs> okay, me this okay, time. Okay, it's not just okay. me this time. Um, so, yeah, watching them go head-to-head. Jalen Brown quietly is just having a fantastic season. It's all these stars on this big stage, it being a rematch. And it's also one of those things, look, neither of these teams are going to go as hard in this game as they would in the Eastern Conference playoffs. But at the same time, I feel like last year, after those seven games, everyone, the one question on their mind was, what if Chris Middleton was healthy? How would have this series played out? And look, Chris Middleton hasn't played much this season. He's out right now as of this recording, but we hope he plays in this game. We can kind of get a better sense of how these teams match up against um, one another when healthy. So this, this to me is the no-brainer best game to watch on Christmas Day. What say you? I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that. Um, I think uh, it's not necessarily even the boring answer. This is this is it's a runaway, and we'll get to why other games that could have been considered uh, as number one aren't number one. But I think the cool thing about this and what the league has done uh, to add fuel to it is this is the first time that they've played since that game seven, I guess seven months ago. Uh, now the, the first time they've played this season. So there's been a big buildup, and I think that it helps that these teams have come out of the gates firing. We've talked so much about uh, the Eastern Conference kind of has felt like a two-team race uh, between the Bucks and the Celtics. And the Celtics have stumbled a little bit as of late. And I think at the time of recording, they're 5-5 five and five in their last 10, lost two straight at home to the Magic. Jason Tatum didn't play uh, in the second game, and they were on a very long uh, road trip out west and they did some things that were a little uncharacteristic but I, I do worry that maybe we're starting to see a little bit of, of a regression to a little bit who they are I, I'm not saying that they're a bad team I'm not saying they're a team that loses to the magic twice in a row at home in the same weekend but you know if they don't have Jason Tatum if they're working to reincorporate Robert Williams who's going to play on Christmas Day uh, if all goes well, since he's back in the lineup as well. There are a lot of things going on with this team. I do still think that they are one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, but this is kind of what I was expecting to happen at the beginning of the year, adjusting to an interim head coach and figuring some things out on the fly because I think Joe Mazzula is still learning how to coach these guys through adversity in games, through tough stretches. That's a part of the process as well. That's why you do have these 82-game seasons. And I do think that it's going to show itself in the game. We saw them play on Christmas last year. And, you know, there was it was a classic game that ended up with the Celtics having a chance to win at the end, and they didn't. Um, we've seen these teams play in the playoffs. We've seen them play on opening night. They seem to have now kind of checked all the boxes of – the big nights that you play your rival and Giannis and Jason Tatum being so young, it's amazing that they've played each other uh, so many times already up to this point in their career. You think back to the seven game series in 2018, there was a five game series the next year, then a seven game series this past year. So it adds up. I looked at, they've played each other 34 times already. And Jason Tatum is, <laughs> is twist. I wish you guys Jeez. could see Scott's face to that Jeez. reaction. They've played 15 times in the regular season and 19 times in the postseason. Giannis is 28. Jason Tatum is 24. So these guys, Giannis is 
just entering his prime. Jason Tatum isn't there yet. So to think that these guys are going to play each other so many more times, I, I think that's the exciting part about this game because it is a the, the next big rivalry in this league because for all the reasons that we've named, I know Middleton and the Bucks core is much older outside of Giannis, but we talk about how young this Celtics team is. There's no reason for us to not think they're going to be atop the Eastern Conference for years to come. Giannis is going to be the best player in the world for years to come. So regardless of who's around him, the Bucks are still going to be at the top. So I think we're going to see these two teams go back and forth for years and, and years. And I think this might become a, a bit of a Christmas Day classic that we're not uh, we won't get tired of seeing. So that, that's what that, that's why we're in agreement on that one. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I also think it's funny. You, you've said this kind of off record in the past, and I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, but it does feel like for so long, this young Celtics team had to go really through LeBron in mm-hmm. the Eastern Conference, right? And it is funny. You've mentioned this before about how like LeBron leaves, goes to the West Coast, and then suddenly it feels like it might be the Celtics time. And oh no, now the best player in the league is still in the Eastern Conference. He's right. just Giannis Antetokounmpo. And you're going to have to face him every single time for the next five years, 10 years potentially, and what comes with that. So I think, look, the, this Celtics team, I agree with you, is, is fantastic. Like I said, I, I would not be surprised if they make it to the finals. I wouldn't be surprised if they win it all this season. Mm-hmm. Like they are just a very well-coached team. I think Joe Mazzulla has proven enough to this point to, to know that he's a real deal. Jason Tatum is a, is a superstar. Jalen Brown's a star. They're deep. Uh, they get after it on both ends of the court. But in saying that, like I, I do think there was you know signs of regression coming. Like This team had the best offensive rating in NBA history for a good chunk <laughs> right. of the season. And I think they're a really good team. I just don't know if they're the best offensive team that we've ever seen in NBA history. Um, they are still number one, but the margin between them and the Nuggets are number two, and the Suns are number three is, is pretty slim now. So, And I also think that was going to kind of be the case. The interesting thing to me was like Robert Williams is so good, obviously, mm-hmm. right? We are talking about one of the best defenders in the league, one of the best rim protectors. But he is, you know, he has his limitations on offense. Um, so I was curious to see, like, especially when he finds his groove, how he impacts his team. Because I can't imagine them taking a little bit step back offensively. Because suddenly, by the way, like Al Holford's been playing the center for them exclusively. Mm-hmm. He's a great three-point shooter. That opens up your spacing so much more. And suddenly right. having a seven-footer who can't do that and is more of a, mm-hmm. a lob threat, a rim threat, that obviously takes away your spacing. So I can imagine, like, their offensive rating taking a hit. But then him defensively just takes him back to a different level. Like they've been good defensively this season. Right. Last year they were absolutely elite. Um, right. So I, I'm kind of curious to see what this team looks like by the end of the season when he's you know hopefully touch on wood he, he's healthy and everything like that. But yeah, I, I think there were some some signs of regression based on how well they came out this season. But I still obviously think that this team is still incredible. One last point on Boston to to, to what you were saying is it does kind of feel like. We we are both in, in agreement that this is a very good basketball team, borderline elite basketball team. I, I don't think you are uh, underestimating them at all or overestimating or exaggerating and saying that this team could very much be hoisting the trophy at, at the end of the year. I do think that this is going to be a, a, an adjustment period to kind of changing that identity a little bit and, and going back to being more of the team they were last year, which is much more sustainable than relying on being, you know, hitting 10 threes in a quarter and things like that. I think that that is much more proven. And I think that they have the, the the personnel to do it. And those guys are capable of doing it. So I don't really have much concern about this Celtics team. I'm just more surprised and, 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 and impressed that they were able to get out to as hard of a start as 
they did, given all the change that was abound. I was expecting them to kind of struggle out of the gates, then kind of figure it out at this point in the year and, and go streaking from here. So it's come differently, but not much of a surprise as far as that goes. I feel like when I talk about streaks and we talk about the Celtics coming up short uh, last year in the finals, I, I, this may be where we start to defer. I had the defending champs and, and the Grizzlies still second on my list. I know we, we, we talked about this beforehand. Stephen Curry, uh, shoulder injury sustained last week, I believe December uh, 15th or, or 14th. He, he sustained it. He's expected to miss uh, about three to four weeks. So barring something strange happening in his recovery, we, we know Steph Curry does supernatural things on the floor. We don't know if he can recover at that type of rate. He's probably not going to play on Christmas Day. It takes away a lot of the luster. I can admit that. But there's just so much stuff going on. Same thing with the Celtics and the Bucks. These teams have not played since the Warriors eliminated the Grizzlies last year in the conference semifinals. You got Klay Thompson calling Jaron Jackson Jr. a bum uh, on the podium after winning a championship. You got Draymond Green and John Morant going back and forth on Twitter you got John Morant on the basketball court. He is top five box office guy who does something every night, and he's just amazing to watch. One of the future faces of the league, kind of in that space already. He's got his own signature shoe coming. I could talk a lot about John Morant and what he does as well. And, 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 I, and I like to, to remind you and everybody else, I know if you remember when – the Warriors were playing on Christmas in 2019 against the Rockets, and it was the Warriors down year that got them James Wiseman, and Steph Curry was out, and Clay was out, and, and everybody's like, man, this is a terrible game. I wish we could flex this off, whatever, whatever. The Warriors ended up winning, beating the Rockets, which I think is more of an indictment on that Rockets team. Um, but it was pretty interesting just to go back and look at the box score and see it was a game that Damian Lee had 22 points and 15 boards. He's now in Phoenix later in the day. But um, Jordan Poole had a DNP that game. So I think Jordan Poole has already told himself that it's Jordan Poole time for this Christmas Day game. So I'm expecting a, a big game from Jordan Poole. Um, and I think it'll still be pretty high on the entertainment scale for that reason. And I have that one at, at number two. Yeah, this is where we disagree. I, okay. I think this okay. had potential. I think this had potential to be number one if Steph Curry was healthy. Because okay. all, all the reasons that you mentioned, a playoff rematch, this definitely has the most off-the-court drama, right? Like you yes. de detailed right. all the Clay Thompson stuff. Um, John Moran and Draymond Green going back and forth on Twitter after they won the championship, which really led to this Christmas Day game because that's when they were kind of going back and forth of, you know, we're playing Christmas Day, not in these words, <laughs> but uh, it should be in Memphis. No, it should be in Golden State. And then all of a sudden, that's the matchup right. that gets announced. And then even Dylan Brooks recently uh, had, some, had some things to say about the uh, Clay Thompson matchup. Which right. will be which will be interesting. So th there's a lot going on here, and really the big one here is John Moran and just how good he is, how good this Grizzlies team is. But they're an extension of him, and the way he plays, he's electrifying. It feels like he always lives up on the big stage um, and shows out. It's just one of those things. Like no Steph takes a lot of steam out of this for me. Um, you know, Jordan Poole. I, I think for the Warriors, like it's a home game. They've been a much different team at mm -hmm. home this season compared on the road. Jordan Poole as a starter has been much better. I mean, we're recording this a day after he just dropped 80 points on the uh, Toronto Raptors, a career high, I believe it was. It wasn't 80 points, but it was like 43 <laughs> points or whatever it was. Either way, Jordan Poole is much much more effective, much better as a starter. He's proven that in the past. So I still think this could be an interesting game. I just don't think it's going to have the fireworks that 
kind of the NBA thought it might have when they first That's fair. Uh, That's fair. set this up. So yeah, this one lands at number four for me. Okay, so what? So if that's four, you have two games ahead of that one. What? What comes in at two first? I do. I I feel like this might be third on your list. I got Lakers Mavericks. That is third um, on my list. Okay, you know me well. You know me well. I do know you okay. well. I do know you well. Look, these teams have been kind of mediocre through this yeah. point of the season. We're talking about two teams that are kind of hovering around five hundred. Yeah, they have their flaws. Um, they are not the best teams in the league. I don't care. I want to see LeBron against Luca. Like it's just, it's just fun. I love Luca. I can watch him on a nightly basis. The stuff that he does, we've never really seen before. LeBron James, same deal. This guy is. I'm convinced he's going to average 25 points for as long as he wants to play in the NBA, even if it's age 50. You know what I mean? As of this recording, he's just dropped 40, uh, 30 points in four straight games. The the oldest player to do it since Michael Jordan. Like, yes, he still can't do some of the things he used to be able to. He's still really good. Still arguably a top 10 player. A guy who's probably going to, almost certainly going to be an all-star this season. We'll see about all NBA. Um, but, you know, so, so seeing them go head to head, it's also just one of those things where Luca, you know, has been very open in the past about how much he, he, he loves LeBron and how much he modeled his game after him growing up. So being able to see these two go head to head, you know, kind of a legend going against this up and comer. It feels weird to call Luca an up and comer because he's already a top right, five player. So good. In the league. You know, you know what I mean. But um, yeah, I, I just I love this matchup. They've played against each other eight times already in their NBA careers. Should have been more than that. I think injuries mm-hmm. have prevent, prevented that number from being higher. LeBron enters the matchup with a six and two record. Um, Luca has surprisingly only scored thirty points against him once, I believe. Um, that surprises me a lot. Actually. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I don't really care that these two teams aren't great. This is all about the star power. Um, yes, it's unfortunate. Anthony Davis, like Steph Curry, is almost certainly going to miss this game because of the foot injury he sustained and how he's likely going to be out for a month. Um, but, yeah, Luke and LeBron signed me up. Yep. Well, the, I, I will say one thing we do have in common here. I had this written down uh, that these are flawed teams. I didn't want to go out at all as far as to say they're bad teams. Mediocre is probably a, a good label to give the Mavericks and the Lakers, and they're very flawed. Um, Anthony Davis, you mentioned his his absence is going to loom very large. He had a foot injury Friday, December 16th. Tried to play on it against the, the Nuggets, and, and I don't know if the Nuggets looked bad in that game or the Lakers looked really good in that game, but the Lakers were impressive. They kind of were firing on all cylinders, and the Nuggets didn't really make plays in times they needed to, and it got away from them. So it probably wasn't as as big of a blowout as it probably as it looked like. The Lakers won by twenty, um, but but not having Anthony Davis more so on the long run, I, I think, is a big thing for this Lakers team. LeBron, you mentioned he's this, this Christmas Day game comes five days before he turns thirty eight years old. This is year twenty for him. We say it all the time at the risk of sounding like a broken record. What LeBron is doing at his age is not normal, but we kept talking about, you know, it was so big that Anthony Davis, we dedicated, you know, the majority of an episode to Anthony Davis, you know, his resurgence and and really remembering how good he is and how dominant he could be and making that leap back into being a top 10 player. Now you're without that for a month. Who knows how he's going to be when he comes back from injury and not all of a sudden, but one injury changes the entire scope of things. Lakers could could barely afford to have their sixth or seventh man go down for a month. If Austin Reeves went down for a month, the Lakers would be in trouble. Their guy who should be their number one option goes down for a month. Now, a lot more is on LeBron's plate. It's going to be interesting to see how he uh, manages that. We know that LeBron 
uh, is aware when the cameras are on him. We know he steps up. This is going to be, I believe, his 18th Christmas Day game, which is breaks a tie with Kobe Bryant for most all time. Uh, or did he pass Kobe Bryant last year? I forgot. It's one of the two. I think he passed Kobe Bryant it, for most points he, scored he, last yeah, year. Yeah, that's right. I think he's then, tied in games played with Kobe. Okay, so I think he, so, so it's the most games played on Christmas Day. It's actually the second time he and Luca are going to go head-to-head on Christmas Day. I remember they went head-to-head when the Lakers were defending champs in 2020. So good to see the passing of the torch in, in, a, in a sense. We saw LeBron, you'll appreciate this, LeBron go head-to-head with Tracy McGrady on Christmas Day some time ago, which is in a, di- in a, in a different but similar way, a similar type of dynamic. So to see this on Christmas Day, it'll be fun to see what those guys will do. And since I'm in the 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 state of, of buttering you up here, I'm assuming, and I'm just going to guess here and go on a limb, that your number three is Suns Nuggets. How'd you know? We'll, we'll, we'll give it away. Lucky, we'll it lucky away. guess. Lucky guess. By the way, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go on to this before I say that I'm pretty sure Tracy McGrady scored 40, 40 plus points in that game against LeBron. I'll just leave it there. It sounds right. Um, sounds right. Sounds right. Yeah, you predicted. LeBron right. was like twelve, but it's okay. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um all right yeah this is sun's nuggets for me i honestly thought about putting this at number one or number two i'm and the main reason i didn't is because it's really late on the east coast and i don't know mm-hmm. if i'm going to stay up until 1 a.m watching mm-hmm. this game there's a good chance i'm going to ca- watch it the next day or something like that but look for me i nicole Jokic is just unbelievable and it feels like you know i know he's a two-time mvp it just doesn't feel like anything he does gets talked about enough right as of this recording we are only a few days removed from him scoring a a season high, 43 points on 17 for 20 shooting from the field. All right. That was nuts. A few days later, he goes off for 40 points, 27 rebounds, and 10 assists in a win over the Hornets. All right. This guy is unbelievable what he does on a nightly basis. He got off to a little bit of a slow start to the season by his standards. I think some of that was him just being, you know, very more unselfish than he usually is, passing up a lot of shots, getting guys new, more involved because they had a few new faces on their team. Jamal Murray's coming back from injury. And it does kind of feel like he's kind of hitting his stride right now. And he's just a 30-point triple-double every single night, basically. Um, also, by the way, I know this is a very nerdy thing to say. The dude has the prettiest shot shot in the NBA right now. Like, if you just look at it, he can't hit threes. Everything inside is green. He does not miss from mid-range. He doesn't miss from floater range. He doesn't miss around the basket. Um, I love Nikola Jokic. You know that. Everyone knows that at this point. But um, I, I think, you know, seeing him play is, is always a joy. But seeing him go up against the Suns team, which, you know, finished with the best record in the NBA last season, we thought they were going to win the championship. Uh, they didn't. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> but it, it's the Suns got off to a really good start this season, and they've kind of hit a, a rough patch here. Um, I still think, you know, Devin Booker, as of this recording, he's coming off of a, what, 58-point game 58. a few days ago. Um, against the Pelicans team, where that was that was a pretty big game. Um, and they came them, back from you know? like twenty four down. Uh, to yeah, exactly. that, that, the, he needed all fifty eight of those. Yep, um, and they'd lost what two previous games against the Pelicans mm-hmm. too, and there was right. a lot of kind of going into that matchup. So that was a big performance. You know, a lot has been made of Chris Paul's um, really rough start to the season. He hasn't looked like himself. I think there's been some signs lately, some encouraging signs um, that maybe he can kind of. I think we we may maybe we've seen the end of like all NBA Chris Paul, but I still I, I still have hope that he can kind of get back to that kind of all star level that they need him to be. Um, this is a conversation for another day. We just did our top thirty players list, which was very very difficult for a number of reasons. Um, Chris Paul being one of the players, I think we were the most just all over the board on. Um, I think I was higher on him than a lot of people. I think you and I together were higher than, mm-hmm. on him than mo- most people, kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, this this team still fancies himself as a title contender. And I think, you know, this is a, a big time matchup. 
against a two-time MVP, against a Nuggets team that also views itself as a title contender. Um, so yeah, for me, I, I had this one over Warriors Grizzlies. If Steph Curry was healthy, I probably would have had Warriors Grizzlies over it, but he's not. So uh, this gets the third spot for me. That's fair. That's fair. And, and I will come to your defense here. I don't think that that the shot chart is that nerdy. I think that's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty fun. We got the shot charts on two K. We look at the green zones, the red zones, whatever color, red and blue. However you want to look at it, I, I think the shot charts are pretty cool, especially when you talk about that 43-point performance on 17 for 20 shooting. He was 0 for 2 for 3. So when you think about it, <laughs> inside the arc, he missed one shot all Unreal. game. And he also had 14 boards, 8 assists, and 5 steals to boot on that night. And, and it does make me wonder and think about, because, again, we 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 kind of just hear what he does and we accept it as, man, that's absurd. And then we move on and keep going. And we also accept that it's going to be really hard for this guy to win MVP three times in a row, like nearly impossible for him to do that. I think Larry Bird was the last person to do that in the mid 80s. And voter fatigue is a real thing. Wanting to vote for somebody else is a real thing. There is a narrative aspect that goes with it. And again, we're just a little over a third way, a third of the way through the season. But there isn't really somebody that's head and shoulders above everybody. You know, the Celtics are a continued lull away from us, not us thinking maybe we crown Jason Tatum too soon. I do think that we kind of have the fatigue thing with Giannis a little bit. He won back-to-back a few years ago, and he's still doing the exact same thing and, and being just as dominant. But it's even funny to say it the way I'm saying it. It's like, man, like, oh, you know, he's still averaging 30 and 10, but whatever. But, like, you know, Jokic is, is still doing things on a nightly basis, um, and the, the Nuggets aren't that far from, one, the top of the Western Conference, and, two, the top of the league. There, there are three games behind the Bucks for having the league's best record. So maybe you have a narrative of a situation that the Nuggets do, you know, stop losing games like they lost to the Lakers uh, last weekend. And and they have one of the league's best record, if not the league's best record. And it's like, man, Jokic just needed to get his guys back. Look at how he elevates his team when he has just higher caliber guys around him. That is an MVP case in itself, potentially, or maybe they just try to give the credit to those other guys because we'll see Jamal Murray, uh, you know, still shape, get back into form. There's ups and downs, and that's to be expected for a guy who's missed as much time as he missed. But that game is pretty intriguing for me. I had it at four. Again, to your point, it's a late game. It's 10.30 p.m. There'll be viewer fatigue from all of us who have started watching uh, games at noon. And, and I was curious. I looked back. This is Jokic's third game. Uh on Christmas Day, they played in 2020 and 2021. Both of those games were also the last game of the night, which is kind of feels like a throwaway. I, I, I was curious. I looked back just at like the last late game that people probably would have been like, man, I have to stay up for this one. And and it might have been the 2014 Warriors Clippers. But like even then, like and that was like the first year of the Warriors and they would go on obviously to win the championship in, in 2015. But, you know, year in, year out, even the couple of years where it was Lakers Clippers, it was like, you know, the end of Kobe's career, then the post Kobe Lakers when they were trying to figure it out. I remember uh, the year before LeBron came, uh, they had the young Lakers against the Timberwolves playing the last game uh, of the Christmas Day slate. So it's always an interesting game that they choose. But this one definitely has much more star power. Uh, much more cachet, and then it does have the you know 2021 playoff rematch, and then two 
great point guards from a great institution. Chris Paul going head to head against Ish Smith. Uh, I had to give a <laughs> shout out. I had to give a Wake Forest shout out. Two of the Wake Forest greats uh, going head to head on Christmas Day as well. And I guess to round that out perfectly, um, we were in agreement at number one, and we're clearly in agreement number five. 76ers Knicks at number five again I think we have to call ourselves out here because coming into the week the Knicks have won seven in a row the Sixers have won four in a row so there is a world in which these teams could be the hottest teams in the league on Christmas Day at Madison Square Garden James Harden Joel Embiid Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle and RJ Barrett how could you not have this higher than number five uh, that brief pause between Joel Embiid's name and the best player on the Knicks is the reason I have this number five. Um, <laughs> look, it, it's just, I get why the Knicks are playing on Christmas Day. I, I just, this is, I, I think when you look at it one through five, this is the least exciting matchup to me. Um, that's not to say it won't be exciting. I mean, like the Knicks have been playing good basketball lately. Right. Um, since December 4th, so since their first win on this seven game win streak, they have the number one defensive rating in the NBA. And we're talking about a Tibbs team here, but like they have made some changes. Quinton Grimes is getting a lot more playing time. Defensively, he's just everywhere, it feels like. And he's a guy I know a lot of people probably who aren't watching every single Knicks game or kind of in NBA media might not be aware of Quinton Grimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he's you know crucial to what they're doing on that end of the floor. And offensively, shots are starting to drop for him. Um, so he, he's been huge for them. But also, like, Jalen Brunson is so good, man. Like, I, I, and he's, he's coming off a breakout season with the Mavericks. He was their big signing in the offseason. He's been everything they could want and more so far. Um, he, he's just been great. He's super fun. He's, he's one of my favorite players to watch in the league on a nightly basis. Um, just what he's able to do, you know, a, a smaller guard who's not supremely athletic or super long or anything, what he's, how he gets his shot off in the paint from mid-range, how he finishes around guys, he's just so crafty. Um, and I think a guy at this rate, he's going to be in the all-star conversation. Like, he, he's definitely going to be in it. He's been playing that well. Um, I'm also not a huge RJ Barrett fan. You know that. But credit where credit is due, he's been much better lately. Um, Randall's also had some moments. So they're, they're playing some good basketball right now. And I think, you know, this has the potential to be a fun matchup. Um, and on the Philly side, you know, James Harden's recently back from injury. Um, he shows some signs of kind of his former self so far this season. And uh, Joel Embiid, I mean, when we were talking about MVP candidates and everything like that, I don't think we've mentioned him so far mm-hmm. in this podcast. He's been playing out of his mind. I mean, he's averaging 34.9 points per game since coming back from injury. Um, he led the league in scoring last season. He's doing it again this season while averaging more points and being even more efficient. He's also averaging more assists than he ever had in his career. And when he's locked in defensively, I mean, he's one of the best defenders in the league. So him, Madison Square Garden on Christmas Day, Look, I, I think it could still be a fun game. Um, just for me, it doesn't quite meet the excitement of these other matchups. Yeah, I get that. I get that completely. Just just a note on that, talking about the the Knicks, and we talked about their win streak to lead into it, and we talked about the Pelicans' win streak last week, and they rewarded us by losing every single game of the week. So, uh, <laughs> So I say this understanding that we could fully be jinxing them right now, but the Knicks' road to winning 10 in a row, they take on a... Warriors team that is without Steph Curry on national television. They take on a Raptors team that has looked very bad lately and is struggling heavily. Then they take on a Bulls team that are also struggling heavily that they just dominated twice 
this past week once in front of a national television audience. And you mentioned the, the defense, and it's too soon to, to really get that far into it. But that is kind of what we got uh, with that 2021 Knicks team where they kind of restored that feeling, that magic uh, in MSG um, with those guys. And that's one thing I will say. Um, I've never been to Madison Square Garden for a Knicks game. I went there for a Liberty game like 20 plus years ago, but it's still all the same, uh, just as majestic. And there's a reason they call it the Mecca. But when you're watching a game at Madison Square Garden and the Knicks are playing good basketball or above average basketball, the energy in there, I remember the first year of Amari Stoudemire, Raymond Felton, before Carmelo got Mm -hmm. there, seeing how the garden was rocking. So that's one thing that I can say. It will be fun to watch. I think all these games are good games. Some game had to be fifth, and there are reasons because – there still are reasons and flaws that make this there's room for it. There's more room for, for era of this game, not being as exciting as it could be. The Knicks could lose each of their next three games and be riding on no momentum, or they could be going in on a 10 game win streak. You never really know as far as that goes. Joel Embiid, you know, could really be feeling it and go for 50 and and 15 in front of the MSG crowd, or he could be, you know, hobbled or whatever so you know it's just so much room uh so much margin for this game to not be exciting it's kind of like tempering your expectations but also being realistic about it and understanding like the knicks have to be on there because of the magic and something like that at madison square garden could happen we we saw Giannis like yeah have a Giannis game you know at msg a couple years ago um you know on christmas day so you you see that and and guys kind of go out there it's kind of like that that stage, these guys turn into performers uh, as far as that goes. But needless to say, if you're kind of just nitpicking here, you know, anytime there's a game that does have a guy uh, like James Harden, who's a, a top 75 all time guy um, in, in front of the world's most famous arena, uh, it's not a bad fifth place game to have. So I, I'm excited about the action for sure. I don't know. That, oh, the one thing I do want to say that I, I, I want to ask you, because we talk about New York basketball and understanding why. The Knicks are the hottest team in New York, but there's another hot team. You cross a bridge, go to Brooklyn. The Nets won six in a row. I understand why in retrospect or in the moment I understood why, but do you think at all the NBA's kicking themselves for not scheduling the Nets? I, I understand that we could have been watching like, you know, the Scotty Barnes, Chris Boucher Nets on Christmas Day had they done a trade with the Raptors, but this Nets team has figured it out. Jacques Vaughn has them playing good defense. They're whole now, they're healthy. But we're not going to see KD and Kyrie uh, and Ben Simmons play on Christmas Day because of the turmoil from the offseason. So I feel like the one, I guess, omission, but, you know, Barclays Barclays is not Madison Square Garden. But I think that uh, Sixers-Nets, which would be a playoff matchup if the playoff started at the time of this recording, spicy. Uh, I think Mm. that would be a little bit, have a little bit more uh, mystique. But I understand why the MSG thing has to be the MSG thing. It's funny. I was going to ask you. if there was one matchup you would rather have seen or one matchup you think they missed out on um, on mm-hmm. Christmas Day. For Fix me, like I, the, the, Net, the Nets were one of them. I, I thought the Nets against the Cavaliers is the matchup that I had written down mm-hmm. and ones that like okay. I can imagine that on Christmas Day. That would have been a lot of fun. You have KD, you have Kyrie. You have a really young Cavs team that, by the way, um, has been too, gotten off to a much better start than even you know people who were high on them. I was super high right. on them going into the season. I still thought it could take them some time to figure out the whole like Garland Donovan Mitchell matchup or, or dynamic. They've been incredible. They have the third best record in Eastern Conference right now, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, defensively, they have the number one defense in the league. They overtook the Bucks. Um, they're just a really fun team. So I think that would have been a fun matchup. The other one for me was 
I mean, no Zion on Christmas Day. Look, I, I, I get it. It's the same kind of thing where it's like, how do you do this? Because like all the injury stuff, you don't know how available he's going to be. Everyone's at risk of injury. I mean, we're, we're right. going to a matchup without potentially Steph Curry and Anthony Davis. You can't plan for these things. So I understand it, though, from that perspective. But like a Pelicans against the Grizzlies or even the Pel- – I mean, the Pelicans have played the Suns, what, three times it feels like over the last week. Right. Um, you, we couldn't have saved one of those games one of those. for Christmas yeah. Day. You know, um, So th- those were the two for me, Cavaliers, Nets, and then a Pelicans matchup with either the Grizzlies or Suns. Again, I, I like the Warriors-Grizzlies matchup, especially if Steph had been healthy. I also like the Suns-Nuggets one, so I don't really know which one I'd bump out there. Um, but those were kind of the matchups that came to mind for me about like – you know, which other ones could they have done on Christmas Day? I like that a lot. And, that, and that's one thing I'll, I'll wrap here to, to to think about that. That South or sorry, the Cavaliers Nets thing, um, depending on how long the, the, the Nets keep this core together, because who knows? Kyrie could move on after yep. this year or maybe all is fixed because winning does cure most everything, if not everything. But those franchises will always kind of be tied together because of <laughs> the Cavs is kind of swooping in and just taking Jared Allen off their hands to help facilitate the trade. Karis LeVert is also a former net. Kyrie obviously won a championship, hit one of the biggest shots in Cavs history. They played in the play-in tournament last year. So there's so many things that tie those franchises together. Donovan Mitchell is from the New York area. Obviously, the tie was with him in the Knicks, but still from the New York area. So there's so much stuff that exists between those two franchises that makes that a fun rivalry. So moving forward, hopefully the, the NBA leans into that. Well, maybe we have to see those two teams play in the postseason before uh, we see them play on opening night or Christmas Day or something like that. But those are doing the schedule for next year. Maybe Christmas 2023, we see the Cavs and the Nets. And Donovan Mitchell maybe continues to move his way into the MVP conversation because he has been awesome as well. Keep it locked in with us here on NBA Sound System throughout the holiday season and into the new year because there's much more basketball to talk about. Scott foreshadowed our top 30 rankings, which were not easy. We will delve into those later on and even maybe put on our uh, big goggles and our, bring our crystal balls and look into the future uh, and, and talk about the future of the league and where it will be in three or five years' time. Obviously, make sure to keep it locked in with us here. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Every time there is a new episode of NBA Sound System, so will be right into your feed for all things NBA and head over to Sporting News and NBA.com Global for even more. Thanks again for tuning in to NBA Sound System for Scott Rafferty. I am Gil McGregor. Happy holidays. We will catch you back here same time next week.